Welcome to the Fearless Vampire Podcast. I'm on a heartfelt mission through the art of conversation and storytelling to inspire women to pursue their creative entrepreneurial journey with reckless abandon. I'm your host, Taylor, a six-figure photographer and business coach based in Colorado. I'm a right-brain mompreneur to two toddler boys, devoted deep conversation holder, and your personal alpaca cuddle liaison. My hope is that you leave our time together feeling empowered and energized to build your dream life. Learn more at fearlessvampire.com. Welcome back to the Fearless Vampire Podcast. And this interview today, I am so excited about because mental health, feminism, all the things that we women take on as creative entrepreneurs that ha- that manifests in its own ways, externally, internally. And I'm really excited to introduce y'all to Kim Masal. She is an entrepreneur and coach for women. So she focuses on basically female freedom and embodiment coach based in Colorado. She also owns a counseling business called Brave Embodiment Counseling. She is a mom to two kids, a world traveler, and just a very wonderful, wonderful human being. Kim, thank you so much for being here today with us. Yeah, thank you. That was a lovely introduction. (laughs) Nice to have those things reflected back to you. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I know. There's like, there's so many titles I could keep piling on to that. But I feel like those are the heavy hitters that that we all like to identify with. Um, Kim, I you just got back from Costa Rica, correct? You were in Costa Rica? How was it? It was lovely. And awful and like all things in between. <laughs> yeah, you 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 had some really big personal stuff come up while you were gone cuz you you and your family went for a month, correct? This this winter. We were yeah, we were there for 5 weeks. Um and the trip was great. So like I had some health stuff come up when I got home. Thank goodness. I'm glad that like the timing worked out that we got to have our full trip and then I had like health stuff after that. Um but yet, yeah, and the trip just like we had our kids with us. And so there was a lot of um, highs and lows yes. <laughs> in, in that process. So so I feel like I'm, I'm just going to straight out of the gate. I think it's crazy, and I'm sure you do too, that you got sick and your body started speaking to you so fiercely as soon as you got back. Because that's when we get sick, right? As soon as we go on vacation and we're like, Oh, our body's like, okay, here's all the crap that we've been holding on to for X amount of time. And I'm ready to unleash it now. Do you feel like that divine timing was just not by accident at all? I for sure feel like it was divine timing. Um, I've had that experience so many times in my life where my body has responded um, after like a long period of stress and things slowed down. Like every year I graduate or every graduation I've ever been to as as a younger human, I would always get the worst strep throat. Like on graduation day, I'd be sitting on like, you know, the the field for hours waiting for them to call my name, just like sweating and fever, just like dying. No way. Oh my (laughs) god. Every single time. So I don't know. I feel like my body tells me things that like when I when when things are not aligned or healthy, my body reacts. And, um, 
you know, being an embodiment coach, I suppose there's no consequence there. Right. Uh, yeah. So for sure, I think coming home, I, I got sick. We were like, we decided last minute to move. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. The week we got back, I decided to get rid of my office suite for my business and all of these things aligned. So the week before we moved, I had just gotten out of the hospital. I had been in the hospital for like in and out for a week. And then I had to pack up my office suite, which is five offices. Oh my gosh. And also, um, and I'm fighting this like big corporate owner of this office suite. It's just like terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I didn't know people could be this like no. cold, <laughs> you know? Oh no. Uh, so all that was happening. We successfully made it through thankfully, but it was, it was intense. It was a very intense experience, um, which I'm very grateful for now at the time it was very difficult. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, um, I just shared the story with you and actually I had shared it a couple months ago with you about, um, my body does the same thing every year after wedding season, as soon as wedding season ends, like end of October 1st of November, I, you get strep throat. I get hit with migraines from hell. Like I am down and out for days and weeks and just this constant, migraine um this last year um i just turned 34 this week that my 33rd year which i know was the year like jesus got um was crucified <laughs> and i was like well it could have been a lot worse but i felt like i was going through my, my my own crucifixion with my body like my body was saying we are done and my mind wasn't quite connecting and i remember talking to my acupuncturist and she was like you're you're brain doesn't trust your body. And so we need to like, and so I spent a year trying to get my brain to trust my body and to stop responding yeah. the way that it was so used to responding. Um, but exactly a year ago, I think to the date, my body, I don't like to say it gave out on me. <clears throat> it spoke to me in a way that I could not ignore. I went blind in my right eye for two months and it was the most excruciating pain I've ever been in. It was a disease called u- uveitis. Um, and the real kicker is that if you don't get it under control, you can go blind permanently. And so I was like, okay, like duly noted, nobody needs a blind photographer. I cannot keep going at this pace. But what I want to see if you can talk about is those little signs, those small signs that we so quickly ignore in our body. I know that these migraines I've been getting since I was five years old was my body's way of saying, Hey, something's not right. You're taking on a little too much. And I was just like, Oh, it's just a migraine. I just had it my my whole life. Or for some people it's a twinge in their back or it's, you know, carpal tunnel or it's stomach pain that turns into something really big. And I know for me, I was so grateful that it wasn't like stage four cancer or something that would have been really more challenging to come back from. But can you talk about like what those little signs are trying to tell us and how quickly, especially as women, we are to just ignore them and move through it and pop some ibuprofen or Advil. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I, you know, I used to have migraines too, and I haven't had one. I think I've had one in the last few years but I used to have them all the time. I remember, especially during my first um, marriage, I'm divorced from that 
person as you know, now I'm remarried and especially towards the end of that relationship, I just remember having the worst tension in my jaw and like, um, you know, I was sick to my stomach all the time and I was at the very end, I was so anxious. I was just losing so much weight and I couldn't eat. But, you know, early on there were, there were lots of warning signs. Like my body was, I was having migraines. I was having dreams. (laughs) I think a lot of people can relate to this. They've had experiences in their life like this. Like I was having dreams where I wanted to punch him, but my (laughs) fist couldn't like meet. Yes. Meet his face. face. Um, you know, and that's, that's a sign too. Like a lot of times we ignore our dreams and our dreams are when we're processing it. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it feels like so disconnected because it's so wild <laughs> the way our brain like interprets our soul, our psyche, like interprets the information, but there's a lot of warning signs. And like I said, I don't have, I don't have migraines very often at all anymore because now I recognize oh, my jaw is tight. Like I'm stressing about something. What's going on? Let me like stop and think about it. And we, we, we also think like we're just anxious people or we're just like people that like are lazy or unmotivated, or I'm just gonna have this weight forever. I'm never gonna find my person. Cause that's just what I'm destined to be. And a lot of those labels I hate diagnoses. Yeah. Um, because a lot of those, they're they're not always accurate. I mean, sometimes they are. Sometimes there's a physiological issue. But a lot of times there's stuff happening in our psyche, our whole system that can be healed, like can be changed so that we can no longer be an anxious person or like a unmotivated or I, 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 lazy is a word I wish didn't exist in our, in our vocabulary. Yeah. yeah, Vocabulary. Thank you. (laughs) Because I just don't agree with it. I think we only have so much bandwidth and our culture demands way more energy from us than is physically possible. It's literally impossible for us to keep up with all the things we're expected to do. Like we should be out picking berries and like, maybe hunting some things and like, you know, weaving baskets. We're not supposed to be like, (laughs) it's just, it's absurd. Like all the things we're expected to do and not in a community basis. We don't have community to help us out. We're supposed to do it all ourselves, which is, we just don't have the energy for it. And so, you know, we don't create enough space in our lives to function. Our bodies can't keep up with everything that we're expected to do. And so then we have these little symptoms that we ignore, we ignore because, you know, because you can take an Advil and ignore it. And that's what you're supposed to do, you know, or treat the, 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 the core issues. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's something that our culture dismisses, not no- think I know is that if I take Tylenol, well, if the pain's gone, then I'm healed. No, you just block that receptor so that you can't feel it. Yeah. You are not like, that's not healing. And I remember being at, um, the doctor that I was working with for my eye and he had me on steroids and was like, we'll have to do, try this drug and that drug. And finally I went, well, I'm seeing an acupuncturist and a massage therapist. And you know what he said to me, Kim, he said, that's cute. That's like taking a water bottle to a bonfire. And my husband goes, no, it's like removing the logs and stuff for it to burn. And I was like, 
thank you, honey. Like he was such a <laughs> tool bag about, I mean, yeah. I have way bigger words for him, but I was like, I don't have an autoimmune disease. I am not believing that. And we give so much power to people in a white coat. And if he says yeah. it's an autoimmune disease, I was like, no, it's not. Absolutely not. I know in my heart, this is stress and how I have been processing, I'm, I'm using air quotes, processing it and holding on to it. And so I ignored his advice other than the steroids because I didn't want to go blind. Um, modern right. medicine has its role, but right. but there is this big disconnect between actually healing and the work it takes to heal and just putting a Band-Aid over something. Yeah, so you, so you totally. can forget about it long enough until it resurfaces again. Totally. And it's hard. I mean, it, like sometimes you need Advil, sometimes you need steroids to be able to function because there's just not enough bandwidth for us to get through days, the, the, a day in our modern mm -hmm. culture. So like sometimes you need an antidepressant to get through a tough period of time and function and be able to like maintain an income in our yeah. culture, which is like super fucked up, but it is what it is. Yeah. And the only way out of the rat race is to do the work to break through your internalized sense of oppression and restriction so that you can create freedom. You know, it has to come from inside. You have to do the work to create a sense of freedom to then have that reflected externally and in your schedule and financially. Absolutely. Kim, I want to hear your story because you've, you have a big story and I want to hear how you got to where you are because you, you've also made kind of this transition from counseling to coaching, which are two very different worlds and serve two very different roles, but you are equally passionate about them and you marry them in the work that you do. So share, share your story yeah. with us. Yeah. Um, so like career wise, I went to school thinking I was going to be an engineer. My parents were. No way. Scientists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. I would have been a damn good engineer too. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I love to problem solve. And I think that's where engineering is super fun for me. Like that is, that is the definition of engineering is problem solving. But yeah. I went to school. I had a huge, um, huge breakdown because I have a phobia of vomiting and, um, the stomach flu went around in college and I like hold myself up in the, in my dorm room. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> I'm going to vomit. It's going to be terrible. Like long past when it had already passed through everybody, I'm still like freaking out in my tiny dorm room. So I had, I had to, I didn't drop out. My parents saved me. They like picked me up, brought me home and like drove me back for my finals. Oh my God. So, <laughs> what wonderful parents. Yes. <laughs> so thankfully, you know, they, they have a very high value on education. So they pushed me to finish that semester, but that was kind of the beginning of my waking up process. It took me, I spent a month, um, isolating, depressed, like agoraphobic. And, um, I decided to switch into art in school and, finished my art degree um and that I came out and I was like well what am I gonna do with this because yeah. I'm not gonna be like an artist like I don't have the I don't have the gumption to like make it in the art world there's no way that's amazing <laughs> yeah so then I went to school for art therapy and um I realized like oh I'm really I'm really good at helping people and understanding psychology and like, oh, I might have like a gift here. Um, yeah. so I just kind of 
fell into it. It was like not, not necessarily actively chosen. A lot of my career success has been really like things just kind of fall in my lap. And I'm like, all right, like I'm a huge opportunist. If somebody yes. says you want to do this, I'll be like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the signature of an entrepreneur though, is waiting for that you know, some people wait for an entire door to open, but sometimes it's just a little window that cracks. Yes. And you're like, that might be something. Let's head there. Yes. Yeah. And I, I'm never ready for it. Like, mm-hmm. no, of course not. No, never ready. Like we got into, we got um, invited. Well, I applied, but we got invited to do this like documentary, um, which is going to come out in July, I think. Congrats. Um, yeah. It's wild. Uh, like a year or so ago. And had no idea what that meant. We were like, you basically we applied to get free financial coaching for like a year from yeah. this like really amazing guru in the area. We were like, uh, yes, please. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I want to hear more about this. This is, yes. is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, we were, I applied, I told my husband afterwards, he was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I was Thanks. Like, hey, these yeah. movie people, they want us to be in this like film. Do you want to do this? <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, so yeah, then for example, like that's an example of kind of the opportunities arise. We jump on them and things happen. Um, but yeah, my career. So then I, I, you know, went in psychotherapy. I worked for somebody else who gave me these amazing pointers about like what trainings to take. Um, and then she, she, she basically groomed me. She was like, "Take these trainings, and then I'll hire you." And I'm like, "Okay." So that's that. awesome. <laughs> um, and I started working with really high functioning women in DC and abroad. Um, and that was kind of like the real start to my career. Cause previously I'd worked with, um, you know, people like people that had murdered people and, uh, people that like were struggling with suicidal ideation and homicidal ideation. And it was amazing. Like the things that I learned, the people that I connected with, um, changed everything about the way I see the world, you know, creating compassion for somebody that's like murdered another human being. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, That takes major growth and self-reflection. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of my career. And then, you know, this, this mentor of mine was like, Hey, uh, do these trainings. So I did them, worked for her, started working with women. And I was like, Oh, this is amazing. This is like what I, want to do. Um, and then I opened my own business and it blew up. So that happened. That's incredible. Kim. <laughs> so who is the typical woman that you work with? I know you work with high functioning, very successful women who are just very successful on paper and still not fulfilled. But can you talk more about who it is that you work with and why this is such a passion for you? Yeah. So I do work with very high functioning women that are successful, like CEOs and such. I also work with women that are highly emotionally developed personally, have done a lot of personal development work and, you know, they do any kind of job on this planet, but are looking for the next step. It's, Mm -hmm. I work with women that know what their stuff is and they feel stuck. Like they're just they need to embody the changes that they want to make. 
I tend to work with people that are like people pleasers, women that struggle with internalized sort of patriarchal yeah. bullshit. Hashtag so, all of us. Yeah, right, right. Most, yeah. Women. Most, Most women. women, yeah. Um, and so I help women kind of break out of those like internalized roles. So I might be working with, you know, a, C- a CEO who is like a, you know, awesome boss lady, but she doesn't know how to own her voice in a relationship, for example, yeah. or she gets angry and aggressive um, in conflict because like deep down she struggles with her own sense of boundaries, her own sense of self-esteem in relationship. And it might be at work or it might be in, you know, their partnership or it might be with their family. But I, I want women to like create a sense of self-worth. And the other piece is that with that comes even more expansion often in their careers too. So I work with women that are business owners or, um, you know, are in a career, but they're stuck in a box inside mm-hmm. of them and they don't necessarily even realize it. So a lot of times we do this work where we're breaking out of these internalized uh, oppressive systems. And all of a sudden, as you break out of those, you start to realize, oh, there's like a lot more possible. And women are extremely creative creatures. So once they tap creative. into that. And very you know, big picture. They, We're really good with the big picture too. You can't, yeah, I think women can be both and it de- you know, it depends. But once you kind of like see, oh, there's a box there, as you break through it, even if you're in a career, you can start to see ways that you can be doing that same career, but in a much more expansive and creative way. So yeah, that's kind of like what I, I that. do. That's beautiful. So where did where did Brave Embodiment come from? What was the, um, what so, was what's the birth story of Brave Embodiment? <laughs> well, I opened Brave Embodiment as a solo therapist. Um, I moved to Colorado with with working still for the mentor that I had um, in DC. So I was still seeing clients there. And I was like trying to apply for other practices. I was like, I'm, I need another job. I, I'm not going to be able to make it. We're going to move there. I'm not going to have the income we need. And Denver is expensive, you know. Oh yeah, um, but so is DC. <laughs> they're like hand, they're like neck and True. neck. <laughs> True, but I know, like I knew DC, so I could find my way around better. We were new to Denver. I was like, oh, we're gonna, you know, end up not having enough money. But anyway, so yeah, I. All the practices I was working for either didn't accept me um, as a new clinician or it didn't feel quite like the right fit. And so I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just open my own practice and see what happens. That's amazing. Um, I I love that that was your like plan B. Just like, (laughs) all right, I'm just going to do this myself then if nobody wants me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then three months later, I hired another therapist because I had so much business coming in that I like could hire a person. And now we're, I think we have, I have 10 clinicians working for me. So that's amazing. Way to yeah. go, Kim. What were <laughs> what were some of the the biggest limiting beliefs that you had about yourself or the industry when you started on this journey? Like when you were opening your first practice, what were some of those yeah. big limiting beliefs that kind of weaved their way into your storyline? Yeah. So um, I have always like struggled with self esteem. 
stuff. Um, and I think that that's a big part of why I am successful now is because in my field, you can't not do personal work. And if my self-esteem is not great, my sense of worth is not great, then I can't necessarily help my people. Right. So, well, and, and you're living, you. you're living the life that you are, that, that you are guiding people on. Like you have kids, you have businesses, you have a marriage that you want to keep afloat. You, I'm sure you have friends. And so you're living the exact stories that I feel like the, the, the people that you're serving are, are living. That's so powerful. Thanks. Yeah. I don't, I feel like I have to embody what I'm helping other people with. If I'm not embodying that, you know, freedom or love or whatever it is that they're looking for, then I truly can't be a model for their bodies mm -hmm. to embody that. So if it's important to me to do the work to show up for the women that I support. So yeah, that's, I mean, just general worth, right? I, I just didn't, I didn't feel like I was worthy of success beyond the box. Like I, I was like, oh, I'll be working for somebody else forever. And I didn't even know that I had that limiting belief until I broke through it. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I continued, continue to, I've learned that I can only see as far as my, my limiting beliefs allow me. And so I work with other people that are living more expansive lifestyles in my own personal coaching process so that I can continue to like expand beyond what I see for myself. It's um, beautiful whenever you can start seeing your beliefs as you recognize them and you go, that's not fact though. That's absolutely 100% not a fact. It's just a belief yeah. that, that that was either given to me at birth or I accumulated from a young age or that I have just reinforced through my actions my whole life. But that's one thing that I've been telling myself is that's not a fact, Taylor. That is just what you're believing in this moment, whether it's money, relationships, parenting. It's a really yeah. freeing and scary place to be at when you're like, crap, mm. what have I been telling myself my whole life <laughs> that is not actually fact? It's so funny. This week, I didn't just, I was working with uh, one of my coaches and just, I, I don't usually work with men, but this, this time I'm trying to work with this particular guy who I feel like is pretty, he's pretty developed and like spiritually aligned with what I agree with. And mm -hmm. he was like, um, so, you know, he just called me out he's like, why are you doing this thing? And I had to stop and be like, well, I know, like, I know I'm, doing this thing and I started to like give excuses and I was like wait a second <laughs> I can already check myself yeah <laughs> and you know so I think in those moments sometimes I just you know lose my shit a little bit and and have to like regulate myself and figure out what to do with it when I have those moments where I recognize a limitation and then I have that awareness and can start to be like okay in the moment, this isn't, this isn't like, this is a limiting belief. This is an old story and I don't have to live, live that way anymore. But it's so funny how you can know something, but until you have that moment where you're like, oh, I'm not like, I'm not what? living it in my body. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. yeah. Um, what? So I know that the last couple of years have been a total shitstorm for people in your position, for therapists, for counselors, for coaches. What is like, what would you say, Kim, is one common thread that you have seen 
or common recurring theme that you have seen in the last couple of years? Because I know your workload probably what like quadrupled um, from 2020. Like, what are some of the most common things that you have seen surface? Like, I know in my life, what has surfaced from thanks to like, you know, 2020 and having actual time to reflect on what, what was acceptable and what was not acceptable in my own world. But is there like a, a recurring theme that you've seen just continuing to come up for these powerful women over the last couple of years? You know, my, my work's been very steady, you know, the psychotherapy practice, you know, that was a different story. Things shifted with COVID, but Mm -hmm. my practice has always been very steady, just kind of like, as I, as I need more clients, they come in, as I release them, they go, you know. Um, so I didn't see a wild change, but, you know, there was a pretty significant shift for people around a sense of loneliness and a sense of overwhelm, depending on people's situations at home. So, right. you know, people with kids and families, it became very overwhelming for people to cope with having kids and not having a school to send them to. And then the flip were women that were single, um, really struggling with not having connection and feeling like, you know, they lost friendships. They lost connection with people that really isolated significantly during COVID. So, or during uh, quarantine. So it's kind of this like polarization of the two reactions. You know, we, like our family just had so much growth during that time. My husband became, we decided, we just kind of adapted. My husband and I decided that he would become the stay-at-home dad during COVID. And we just kind of like changed up what we were doing and had like massive growth from that. And we actually had a really we thrived during that time, um, which is hard to say. It's no, like, amazing. So many people were struggling so much. We just took it and made changes. And I mean, I definitely am happy to see friends again. Yes. That was rough. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and I feel like it it was very different for for families, for people with kids, because yeah. I mean, Mike and I had that conversation so many times. If it was just the two of us, we'd be buying cheap tickets to Costa Rica and Hawaii. Like yeah. we'd be going wherever, but with kids, I mean, that was at the forefront of our mind. Like, and this was before really people knew what was going to happen and what the long-term effects were. And we still don't know, but it was when it was really fresh. And I was like, I can't, an- I, I have to answer to these kids one day. Like they're going to ask me, Hey, why did you, why did you go screw around when I was seven weeks old during a global pandemic when all these people were dying? And I was like, I I have to be able to answer those questions when they're older and be held accountable for the actions that I choose to do today. For sure. sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I was just going to say like, I'm really grateful. Like, again, I think just things just sort of come together and like fall into my lap sometimes. And I don't always think them through, but I'm so grateful that I am able to have this psychotherapy practice business where I can provide really awesome services for people that are on Medicaid in that practice. You know, we have this like huge practice and Denver, 20% of people before before the pandemic were on Medicaid. I don't even know like 
how many more were allowed to to join because of the emergency orders. But we love that we can like provide those services and that practice and uh, be able to support the community in that way. And it's just um, such a privilege for me to feel like I can like have that part of my business also be, you know, working the way that I work and be able to give back. It's, it's just, yeah. During COVID, that was like a really, uh, something I'm really grateful for that we already had that set up. We were already working virtually. Yeah. That's incredible. I, Kim, I want to know if you could have a billboard on I-70 that said anything that you wanted it to say, like just a message that you could get out to the world or anybody driving along I-70, what would it be? What what message would you want people to know? The first thing that comes to mind is like something around like women deserving way more freedom than they realize they can have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so some yeah, some sort of message for women that you don't even know how much more freedom you could have, like go after it do something about it and do the work. Yeah. What, what steps would you give somebody who is, who is craving that freedom? But like, I know, especially as entrepreneurs, we feel like we have to do everything and there's not room for play. There's not room for, for self-care and reflection and growth. It's just, especially if you add in a partnership, friendships, families, if you're taking care of a family member, if you have kids, or if you're, just trying to do everything and work multiple jobs. I mean, what, what, what would the steps be for somebody to just get them to recognize their need and their ability to have that freedom? Yeah. It's a step-by-step process. Like everybody, no matter what stage or, you know, consequence, not consequences, circumstances you're in rather, you can create more freedom. You can create more connection. You can create more love in your life, financial you know, abundance, it can, it can come, but it's not that fluffy manifesting process. It's, it's a gritty process of doing the work. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm all about find, find your resources, like ask people for names. If you are on Medicaid, like take advantage of all the free therapy that you can get. You know, there's always, there's always resources available, but you have to be willing to reach out and get get the support that you need. You know, I, I've had so many um, mentors and free information in my life just because I say yes and I ask for what I need and want and I go after it. Like aggressively, it's the number one thing that I put my energy into is doing work to create more expansion, more personal connection to my intuition, more wellness, just so that I can have all the things and beyond what I can see for myself. Right. What is, what does self-love and self-care look like for you? And I'm sure it's changed probably yeah. in the last few months that you've been going through all these changes with your body, but what, what does that look like for you personally? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it might sound backwards to some people, but when my kids were little, it was like, sacrificing a lot of other things to be present with my kids, which I think is so important and people don't necessarily always allow themselves to do like mm-hmm. these temporary periods in life where your kids are little. And like, that's all in my opinion, that matters that like you're available to them in this very crazy, crazy world. So coming out of that baby phase where I really didn't, you know, I walked with my kids, we biked, we like were outside all the time. But 
I wasn't doing a lot of like traditional, what you would think of as like self-care activities aside from my personal development work um, and, and the time that we spent outside, you know? Um, But but now recently my kids are a bit bigger and I can, I can go for different periods of time um, to do yoga, to meditate, to journal, to do coaching work for myself, to, you know, swim or run or bike on my bike. Like it's, it's exercise. It's eating well. It's drink, drink lots of water, people. Yes. <laughs> important. But uh, it's really creating space. Like the thing that's shifted the most for me in the last few months is my understanding of who I am as a business owner mm-hmm. and breaking through that hustle mentality of like, I have to do it all myself. I've started outsourcing so much stuff. Good in the for last you. Yeah. And um, I've, I'm just trying to create as much quiet space in my schedule as possible and hiring one of my therapists to start taking over some of my coaching um, because I need more space. I need more space to create. I need more space to take care of my body, all the things. One of the questions that I get asked as a business coach um, from my students is, how do you balance it? How do you balance being an entrepreneur and being a mom? And my piece of advice, which I'm always working on, is just be present wherever you are. If you're with your kids, don't be on Instagram. Don't be answering DMs. Don't be checking email and vice versa. If you have to work, don't be working and turn on you know, the TV, just praying that they're going to keep themselves entertained. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with some TV. And I know I've turned on Coco Melon so that I can respond to an email. But my, my husband actually just gave me for my birthday a journal that he's been keeping for four months since January 1st. And every day he asked our boys, what, what did mommy do today that made you feel loved? And my two-year-old usually just said something about his bicycle or his motorcycle asking where it was, which he calls his bike, his Momo, his motorcycle. (laughs) But my four-year-old, I, it took me back to those days because there were days when I was like, not present. And he was like, Oh, mommy hugged me today. And she made me feel loved. But then there were days where he remembered like the days that I was present, he remembered every detail. And it was so random because he talks about this day and it's kind of embarrassing, but he asked me to play rescue helicopter with them. And I said, yeah, but I'm just going to go to the bathroom and then I'll come and play with you. And that's the story he told my husband. First, mommy peed. Then she came and played with me. We played rescue helicopter. We played for maybe 10 minutes, but he still talks about the day that I went pee and then I came and played rescue helicopter with him. But I had locked my phone in her bedroom. It was 10 minutes of just undivided attention that I was giving him. And I'm not like a playful mom. I'm a very emotional mom. I take on the conversations like I'll do anything that revolves the relational side. But as far as play, that's an area that I'm, I fall short in. But it's when you're, like you said, when you are present, that is a form of self-care, especially with your kids, because they're, they know how to play. They know how to let go of their yeah. ego. They, they'll, they stick it to you straight. You don't, you never have to wonder what they're thinking. And that is when they are happiest is when you are fully fully engrossed in whatever it is that you're doing together. So that's a beautiful, beautiful way for self-care. Yeah. I mean, for me, like that presence is like, it's all about your value system and what really matters and what are we doing this all for? Is it really about prestige or, or is it really about like 
help helping people. And if it's about helping people, then you have to help yourself first. Like you have to be a model. I don't, I don't work just for the sake of working. Like I work because I want to have an awesome life full of connection, just like my clients do. So my value system revolves around being available for the people that I love first before anything else and for myself. Um, and so when I'm with my kids, I'm with my kids. Um, it's not easy as an entrepreneur because no. there's always there's always an email. There's always a text message. There's always something that needs to be done. There's always the fucking list of to-dos. Um, but you just – you have to put your phone away and, like, be present and be available because that's really what matters at the end of the day, in my opinion. Yeah. No, absolutely. I totally agree. Kim, I want to hear about um, a favorite failure of yours. Do you have one where like in the moment, yeah, in in the moment, it was the end of the world and you look back and you're like, (laughs) thank God that happened. Like, I can't imagine what what, what direction my life would have gone in if that hadn't happened. Yeah. Oh man, there's so many. I think that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur is like, if you're not comfortable failing, you're not going to make it because yeah. failure is part of your growth process. I, I truly, truly believe that failures are not, it's not about like doing it right or not. It's about learning from whatever experience you're going through. Like there's no guarantee that whatever you put energy into is going to be successful or even that it will be aligned once it is successful. So I, I spent like a good year. I was feeling really stagnant, probably like, uh, two years ago or so, more, maybe a little more than that. And I was like, something's got to like be burst. I, I'm, something's not right. I need, I need something new. Something needs to like shift. And I did like a bunch of coaching around it. I'm like, come on, what needs to happen for like months and months and months. And finally I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be a conscious matchmaker it was wild too, because it was in, it must've been in the collective consciousness because that's when like all of those matchmaking shows came out yeah. at the same time, <laughs> the Indian matchmaker, like all of it. Yeah. Like as soon as I announced my business, all of these shows came out at the same time. So anyhow, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a conscious matchmaker. And I started like interviewing people and about it. And like, I had a whole file full of people that were interested, except they were all women. Oh my gosh. And- <laughs> And of course, because my whole, business is, my whole business is full of women. Like if it was full of men, maybe I would have, you know, had more access. But I went through this whole like almost year long process of creating this business. I had the website, I had the clients, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to create a whole other connection to the men in this state. And I was like, you know what? I am not going to do that because that would require me actually creating a whole other business. And I don't have time for that because I have children and they are way more important than any business I might want to create at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, So I gave it up. I spent a year and many, 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 many hours on it and decided it might be a good idea. Maybe the world's ready for it. Maybe it's not. Maybe there are men out there, but I don't know. And I'm like, well, okay putting those files away. Yeah. That's, in the trash. <laughs> that's so hard. That's so hard. And it takes so much, so much, what's the word I'm looking for? Just strength 
to be able to close the door on something you've, I mean, I can't close the door on something I spent 45 minutes on. I'm like, well, I'm committed. I'm in deep now. And so it's so hard to go back or not go back, but just say, that was fun. Glad I had that experience and we're going to put it away for now. Yeah, it is hard. And I mean, I find it hard sometimes, like if I have a plan in my head about how the night's going to go with my family and like the plan I have for how we're going to spend our time, like, I'll have like a tantrum if things don't go the way. Yeah. Sometimes it's really difficult for us to get our brains to switch gears. But for whatever reason, that particular like neural network is really well established in my mind that, you know, experiences are experiences, even if they don't create an outcome. That one, that one does okay for me usually. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So right now, Kim, you actually have a group coaching program going on, correct? Yeah, um, I do. I kind of like fluctuate right now. I'm, I'm taking new folks for my Brave Mastermind. And yeah. Can you tell us more more about the, the the Brave Mastermind? Yeah, it's um, it's really just for women that are struggling with like people pleasing, having a hard time with boundaries and saying no, women that are wanting to attract partnership that's kind of at what they see as the level that feels like a good match for them, but they Mm -hmm. struggle with that. Um, Women that want to break through like kind of stuckness in their career and want to be feeling like satisfied and financially compensated. Um, yeah. So that's that's the group that we focus a lot of on embodiment practices. There's group work, there's a course, there's individual work, and it's a really incredible group of women. That's what I love about that group the most is it's women all over the country that are just very driven for towards personal development. They're very positive and extremely compassionate. Like compassion is a superpower of all yep. of these women. That's amazing. Oh my goodness. Um, I, <laughs> I, I'm curious, Kim, are, are you a big reader? Do you like to read? Um, I only read if I'm going to uh, get something out of a book. I don't Perfect. really read for pleasure. Me too. Everything I read is self-help or like some way to grow personally. And finally I was like, I think I need a break from this, but I don't like reading fiction and there's nothing I really want to read other than self-help because it takes so much time to read. But what's yeah. what's a book that you've read in the last uh, year that has had a big influence on you? The Simple Path to Welsh. I really love that book. Um, it, it's really, it's about investment. It's Ooh. like totally random tangential to everything we've talked about right now. <laughs> but, I, I um, love talking about money, money and wealth and working towards yeah. wealth and not just working for the sake of having income. Yeah. Yeah. It's all it's all it's all related, right? So like recently I've been on this financial journey with the documentary we've been part yes. of and um that book really reflects a lot of what we've learned about investments and just creating a simple life in general, like a life focused on connection and freedom and being able to live the way you want to live. Um so that one's about investments and then I read the 4-hour work week which there are parts of it that I love and parts of it that I like don't. Um, that, but that book, that, go, go that, that book has come up in like two other podcast interviews over the last couple of weeks. And yeah, you, you either love it, you hate it, or you're somewhere in the middle. 
To- totally understand. Yeah, that one, I think uh, it it's really lovely in terms of opening opening up some space for more possibility and freedom in your life. And then um, We Should All Be Millionaires is also like a lovely book that I read this year that Ooh. is really good. It's Rachel Rogers, which um, a lot of women I think are familiar with. She's uh, She's lovely and it just talks about, you know, a lot of women's empowerment, women in business and um, creating side hustles. It's it's a great book. Oh, wonderful. I'm going to go order it now. And we'll put all those in the show notes as well so people can, can get access to them. Um, Kim, I love ending our time together with this question. When was the last time that you didn't feel like enough? I think I feel like that like that part of me arises every time I take a step towards expansion. It's always present. You know, the part of us that feels like we're not worthy, um, not good enough. Like be- being visible as a business owner on social media and like now we're going to be in this documentary. It's it, it, t- it takes a lot of work to love on that part of ourselves that feels like People are going to criticize us for X, Y, Z. We're not going to be seen as worthy. Uh, So it's a constant process. I I felt it this week in my own personal development process. So yeah, yeah, all the time. Thanks for sharing that with us. Do you know the name of the documentary? Has it been released yet? Yes, uh, it's not released. It'll be released hopefully over the summer or I think over the summer, but I'm not allowed to tell you what it's called yet. (gasps) Ooh, yay. Big secret. (laughs) Well, let us know as soon as you do. And we will also add this to the show notes because I cannot wait to watch that. That's so exciting. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Crazy experience. Kim, thank you so much for for being here with us today. Your story is a beautiful one. I I absolutely love what you're doing for for female entrepreneurs and females and women around the world. So thank you so much. For sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an honor. I I really appreciate being being, um, seen as, as... or having that reflection back. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah. Where would you like people to, to find you, Kim, and get in touch with you? Sure. On Instagram, I'm the Feminine Freedom Coach, and my website is kimmissal.com, or my psychotherapy practice is bravecounseling.com. Beautiful. And again, we'll have those in the show notes. Well, thank you again so much, Kim, and we will see you guys next time on the show.